Have you ever wondered why you can sound pretty good the day before an audition or performance and even feel pretty confident backstage warming up, but then sound like a totally different person when it actually counts? Everyone experiences this gap between performance and practice. So it's totally not just you. Part of the problem is that our practice tends to be skewed heavily towards learning rather than performing, which can help us sound pretty good in the practice room, but this level of playing doesn't always transfer to the stage, where you have to get something right the very first time when the adrenaline has kicked in. If you've wished you could feel more confident on stage and perform more consistently at the level you know you're capable of, or if you've wanted to help your students have a more positive experience on stage, but haven't been quite sure how to make that happen, starting Tuesday, June 18, I'll be teaching a live, online, accelerated two-week class on the most essential mental skills that can make the biggest difference in your practicing and performing. We'll meet twice a week via Zoom and work on a range of exercises and techniques in four essential psychological skill areas together as a group. And to make sure the ideas don't just stay in your head, but actually become consistent habits, I'll show you how to gently integrate these new skills into your or your students' daily practice in manageable, bite-sized pieces alongside a cohort of supportive practice buddies from around the world. Registration is open now through Sunday, June 16 at 11.59 p.m. Pacific. Over 1,500 musicians, educators, and students and learners of all ages have participated in the course already. You can find out what alumni are saying and sign up to join Cohort 18 at bulletproofmusician.com essentials. This is Noah Kageyama, and you're listening to the Bulletproof Musician Podcast. Every Sunday morning, we'll take a look at a new research-based tip or technique to help you practice more effectively or perform better under pressure. And on the first Sunday of every month, I'll have a guest from the music, sport, or research world who will share their insights on how we can all be a little more awesome in the practice room and on stage. I don't know if it's street noise, the dog trying to take over my pillow, age, or some combination of things, but in recent years, I've found myself having more difficulty sleeping through the night. Sometimes I fall right back to sleep, so it's no big deal, but there are other times when my brain is just too alert, making it difficult to shut off all the thoughts in my head and fall back asleep. There was a time when I just get up and do some work instead of staying in bed because getting stuff done at 4 a.m. does feel super hardcore and productive. But there's a ton of research out there which suggests that not getting enough sleep can actually sabotage our goals in many aspects of our lives. It can inhibit our ability to learn and make gains in the practice room and classroom, make it more challenging to make good food choices, and in the long run, even put us at a higher risk of dementia. Of course, knowing how important it is to get good sleep just puts more pressure on needing to sleep which makes it harder to get back to sleep. So what can we do? Well, I came across a new strategy several weeks ago, which I didn't really know what to make of, but it was weird enough that I figured I'd give it a try. The first time I tried it, I actually surprised myself by how fast I fell back asleep, if that's even possible. It was almost disorienting. I chalked it up to a fluke. I remained a bit skeptical even when it worked like a charm the next time I tried it, and the time after that the strategy just kept working. The research and theory behind this technique is still in the very early stages. But with reports of difficulty getting to sleep on the rise during these pandemic times and school and various new stressors right around the corner, 
Now seemed like a good time to explore this sleep hack in case you might find it helpful as well. So what is it exactly? Well, the technique is called serial diverse imaging, and we'll get into the details of it in a minute, but before we do, it helps to know a bit of background. So ultimately, our brain is responsible for putting us to sleep, but it's not a process that we have direct conscious control over, like we can't just will ourselves to sleep on cue. However, the cognitive scientist who developed this technique, Luc Baudouin, observed in a thought-provoking 2013 paper that there do seem to be certain types of mental activity that are more conducive and less conducive to falling asleep. Three types, to be exact. He called some types of mental activity, as in thoughts and images, insomnolent, and that they make it more difficult for us to fall asleep. Stuff like worrying about our future, problem-solving, mentally rehearsing a difficult conversation we need to have, thinking about sleep and how not getting enough of it is going to wreck tomorrow, and so on. Then there's mental activity that doesn't necessarily keep us awake, but it also doesn't really help us get to sleep either, as in asomnolent mentation. And finally, there's mental activity that Baudouin categorizes as prosomnolent. This is the stuff that seems to actively accelerate or facilitate falling asleep. And what exactly does this type of mental activity look like? Yeah, so this is where things get a little interesting. Most sleep-enhancing strategies are focused on keeping our brain engaged in something more neutral, like meditating on our breath, so that we don't have the cognitive bandwidth to engage in worries, problem-solving, or other thoughts and images that stress us out or keep our mind racing. But Baudouin notes that meditating on your breath is really more accurately described as a counter-insomnolent strategy than a prosomnolent strategy. In other words, breathing meditation doesn't really bring on sleep, it just neutralizes the unhelpful thoughts that keep you awake by keeping your brain too busy to think them. But that's not necessarily ideal, right? Because while meditating may prevent you from worrying about the lesson you have tomorrow, it's still an actively focused sort of state that takes a fair amount of effort, which is not quite the same as being asleep. As Baudouin thought about this paradox, it occurred to him that the thing that all these insomnolent sleep-preventing mentations have in common is that they involve engaging in thoughts that are coherent and involve making some sort of logical sense of things. But have you ever noticed how weird and incoherent your thinking often gets right before you fall asleep? Where maybe you start having super random thoughts or brief dreamlike flashes of nonsensical images and unrelated memories from your past? Baudouin wondered, what if this phenomenon isn't something that just happens to coincide with falling asleep, what if this type of incoherent, nonsensical mental activity actually induces sleep? Baudouin notes that it's almost like the sleep-wake switch in our brain needs to know it's safe to go to sleep before letting us zonk out. So it kind of reads the room, as it were, or scans the activity in our cortex, or the thinking part of our brain, to see if it's doing things that suggest we ought to stay awake, or if it's doing things that suggest it's okay to pass out for a little bit. Like, if it senses that your brain is trying to make sense of the discrepancies you're seeing between what's on your Google Maps app and the roads and exit signs around you, it's clear that now is not a good time to go to sleep, no matter how exhausted you might be. But if you're sitting in the back row of philosophy class at 8am, having been up until 5am playing Mario Kart with your buddies, your professor's soothing monotone combined with the random bits and pieces of various concepts that seem incoherent and make no sense to you at the moment may give your brain a false sense of safety, 
until suddenly you're unconscious. So the theory is that if you're involved in mental activity that's oriented around coherent thoughts and an attempt to try to make sense of things, the sleep-wake part of your brain is going to intuit that it's not okay to go to sleep. So what might happen if you purposefully engage in incoherent, nonsense-making thoughts and images? Could this be the holy grail where not only does it prevent you from worrying and thinking sense-making thoughts that keep you awake, but also help you to access your brain's sleep-awake switch more directly so it knows it's safe to shut things down for the night? Boudouin calls these super-somnolent strategies because they not only prevent you from engaging in unhelpful mental activity, but they also accelerate sleep. It's kind of like a double win. And this is where serial diverse imaging, also known as the cognitive shuffle, comes into play. Baudouin and a few colleagues recruited 154 university students who reported having some difficulty shutting off their brains while trying to get to sleep. They all completed questionnaires to measure their level of alertness before going to bed, how much effort it usually took them to get to sleep, and their sleep quality and then they were randomly assigned to various groups and asked to use different types of sleep strategies. The group that we're interested in used an imagery-based mind-wandering strategy. As these participants lay in bed, they turned on an app that was programmed to recite a word or short phrase describing an object or scene that they would then try to visualize. Every eight seconds, the app would prompt them with a different object or scene thereby encouraging participants to keep shuffling continuously through new random images in their head. And what happened? A month later, everyone retook the questionnaires, and sure enough, there was a significant improvement in all three areas, quality of sleep, ease of getting to sleep, as well as a more positive mental state before going to bed. It's important to note that this strategy is not the be-all and end-all for all sleep issues, of course. So it's not going to work perfectly all the time or for every single person because sleep issues have many different causes. But I think it's definitely worth a try. And if you're interested, here is how. As you're lying in bed, think of a random, emotionally neutral word that has at least five letters. Baudouin used the example word bedtime, so I've actually just been using that. Anyhow, starting with the first letter, B, think of a word that begins with B and visualize that item. Like, imagine a bear, and then a banana, and then bacon, and then bread, then butter. Okay, so I'm recording this at lunchtime, so my mind is trending in the direction of food. Hopefully that doesn't make you hungry when you're trying this. But in any case, if you can't think of another word starting with B, or you start trending in a particular theme, or just get kind of bored with it, feel free to move on to the next letter in your seed word of bedtime. In this case, the letter E. So then you could imagine an elephant, an egg, an escalator, and so on. If you get to the end of your word and you're still awake, just pick a new seed word and repeat the process. I'm kind of partial to this do-it-yourself version myself, but there is an app version that's cool in a different way. If you prefer to have prompts to visualize, you can download the app both in the iOS app store as well as the Android app store. For links to more instructions on how to do the cognitive shuffle and to the apps themselves, you can visit bulletproofmusician.com slash blog for all the links. And if you found the episode helpful, please share it with a friend or practice buddy who you think might also enjoy experimenting with this during the coming week. 